Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Coach Speak. I'm Matt Seidel, along with fellow hosts Derek Seidel and Josh Trope. Derek, Josh, welcome back to the pod. So uh, how are how are we doing uh, on this summer-like September weekend? Oh, yeah, it was a good weekend. I made it over to uh, Ella Sharp Park this weekend to see the Napoleon Cross Country team compete in a Jackson County race. Got a handful of basketball kids on the on the team. I know Alex Darnell, one of our team, is the the number one runner at uh, at Napoleon. He had a he had a decent race. I guess he didn't run his his best best race, but he finished seventh in the meet. He's uh, he's hoping to uh, compete for for a, a, a pretty good place in the state state tournament this year so it'll be fun to watch them the rest of the way um derek for some of us experienced cross-country people uh that's called a pr a personal record it was not as pr but yeah um, but he did well okay all right it's all right we'll we'll help you out um uh it's been a pretty tough week for me to be honest with you oh yeah Uh, i i have lost a front tooth and uh, had to have surgery, um, and I will now uh, have to wait four to six months to get a new front tooth and implant. So um, I feel bad for our listeners because I will kind of be stumbling through some words, kind of like Tim Kaine, the old Dexter coach, used to when he'd get mad at the officials. You couldn't really understand them. Um, so that's kind of how I'm going to be on the pod from uh, time to time. And, uh, you know, so. Oh, God. I shouldn't be laughing. I'm the one with the speech impediment when I was young, but it probably still do. But Tim's actually going to join us later with some football picks. So that was a nice little segue. Oh, that's good. Okay, good. Very good. Well, you know, we and we have a great show planned for today as a former NFL tight end and current Chelsea girls basketball coach, Tony Scheffler, joins us in just a few minutes. At least we hope he joins us. Tony is not the easiest guy to corral this time of year. And rumor has it he's on his way back from up north as we speak. So we're, uh, we're keeping our fingers crossed there. But uh, and, and speaking of hoping for the best, I understand uh, both of you spent some time watching fall league basketball at the Michigan Sports Facility of Jackson today. Nine boys teams I see on the schedule. Chelsea, Hanover, Horton, Northwest, Clinton, Leslie with a few Napoleon guys. Uh, Tecumseh, Celine, Western, and, and a group from the Olivet area. So uh, I was not there, but you two were. So what did uh, what'd you think? Well, I mean, let's first off, I, I think for all of our Ann Arbor Pioneer listeners um, in the Ann Arbor, greater Ann Arbor area, let's make sure the state that these fall leagues have been going on for about 15 years. So not yeah. something new. Um, I just thought I'd throw that out there for our listeners in that area. So this is, it's been nice that this is continuing. It's a great opportunity for kids to get in shape, get to play a little bit with their teammates, get to know them a little bit. It's also a great opportunity for some role guys that don't play a fall sport to get a little extra run um, in those type of things. A ton of high school coaches there today, you know, watching, distancing, m- with masks up and all those things, you know, we can't coach this time of year, but we definitely can go watch. I know I, I was actually writing notes down and things like that. Some things I want to talk to kids about. Maybe if I see them at an open gym or a four-man workout or something. But it was just good. I, honestly, it was great to be in the gym again. And I, I saw some really nice players. Uh, and, and, you know, I want to – I got to talk about Hanover Horton. Two things. One, uh, Chad Mortimer's son has been dealing with um, knee and leg injuries for – for as long as I known Chad almost, I feel like at least three, no, maybe not that long, but at least three or four years now, serious injuries his son has been battling. And his son today was without doubt one of the best players in the gym today. So I was really happy for Chad and his son just to, to see him healthy and playing basketball. 
and I just hope for, for Bolter's sake, we have a season, you know, you only get a chance to coach your kid once and, and his son will be a senior this year as that and that program. Oh my goodness. You know, they don't miss a beat. I, I mean, I think they graduated seven seniors off the best team they've ever had. And I, I mean, they almost look like mid season form today. I mean, they, and that's just a credit to Chad and his staff, um, his JV coach, his assistants, and just the culture they built in that community. Um, now that being said, they were the only program there with everybody there. Chad will downplay. will say, oh, you know, we might have been missing a guy. They were not missing anybody. They Heck, the football players, the cross-country runners, the, mm. the you name it, they were suited up today. I mean, it was, you know, like most of us didn't have all those guys there. But that being said, you can't take anything away from what they built in that program. I mean, it, it is a machine right now. Derek, what did you, uh, what were your takeaways today? Yeah, no, I thought it was really good just to be back in the gym, seeing kids playing again. You know, some of the, the you know, obviously I, I didn't get to see the Hanover game because uh, guys from Napoleon were playing and I was actually uh, had to work the table today since there wasn't a parent to do it. So uh, I didn't get to watch the other games quite as much, uh, but I did see, you know, it did look like Hanover looked good. I know they took it to Chelsea a little bit. I watched some of Chelsea's first game and they looked looked pretty solid. A lot of a lot of young talent over there in uh, in Bulldog country. The the one standout to me is, and I believe I don't I don't know the kid's name. Maybe one, maybe Josh can help me out on this. But uh, Parma Western's got this seven foot kid, and I think he's a sophomore. And oh my good, he, he's the the first thing you notice walking into that gym is oh my gosh, there's a seven footer out there. And and uh, so the, I got a story on that. He, I don't actually have the name in front of me, but he just moved here from Canada. Uh, his dad took a job as an admission, the head of admissions at Spring Arbor University. And uh, I, I, you know, I hope Ryan Molnix is listening to the podcast because I told Cottingham, you don't want him over there playing for Molnix. All they do is press and trap all over the place. You got to send that big fellow to Chelsea, but it, it didn't happen. And <laughs> Molnix, Molnix has got him and uh, hopefully he uses him because I'll tell you, he, he, the kid is, he's legitimately seven foot tall. <laughs> all I know is I, I spoke with Charlie Anderson uh, from Olivet at our open gym tonight. He said the, uh, the team that has a couple Olivet guys on it, kind of from the Calhoun area, they, they beat Western. And he said uh, he had the pleasure. If Charlie goes about 5'11", maybe six foot at best. He, he had the pleasure of uh, guarding this guy a little bit and leaning on him a little bit. He said there's not a lot to him, but he is one of the biggest human beings you're going to see in a high school basketball game. But that's that's interesting that 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 kid's name came up. So what what uh what high school coaches uh were, were actually on hand other than you two? I'm kind of curious. I, I know Coach Morton was there. I definitely saw um, Coach Webster from Tecumseh was in the house. I, I saw him watching uh, as uh, my the Napoleon Leslie squad played Tecumseh. I don't know Coach uh, Tropeji. Who else did you see? Yeah, uh, Coach Moffitt was there uh, from Northwest. Coach Molnix was there from Western. I actually sat with those two guys, great guys. Mortimer was up there. Actually, all the coaches were sitting together upstairs, except for Jameson, who I'm pretty sure was coaching his team from the sideline with like a beard on and sunglasses. And then I believe, um, and then Derek, who was also, he positioned himself at the scores table so he could kind of coach from the sideline, but then he didn't even score. So, you know, no, I'm just joking. I I felt bad for Derek. I, I, I see him walk in. And I, I assumed he was going to come upstairs with the rest of the high school coaches. And then I looked down on the court, and there he is keeping score. And that's just that's just a young coach being afraid that's of parents. Move. You yeah. know, I mean, yeah. you, gotta, you can't put yourself in that situation. You got to big time him, Derek. You got to say, dude, do you know who I am, man? I oh. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah, there's quite a few. I mean, uh, Jake Fosdick was not there. And then uh, the two Matts, Matt Seidel and Matt Johns, didn't make an appearance. You know, so <laughs> I think everybody else was there. 
So I, I guess I'm I'm curious too, uh, being being the old guy, were these were these glorified pickup games, or did, did the teams look organized out there? Well, I do know that I was hearing some some play calls coming out oh, of the Chelsea squad. Whoa, really? So they, might be, they might be organizing a little bit over there at their uh, well, four man workouts. They put those but, uh, plays in during four man workouts. Hey, <laughs> you know that. <laughs> Okay. That's exactly what happens. I mean, I, I run the point, obviously, and then the other four guys run the position. No, I, I, I'll tell you what, you, you know, um, we were really lucky. Gracie Cabana, who is a senior at Spring Arbor University and a point guard there, four-year starter for Spring Arbor. She was coaching the squad today. She's calling out sets, dead balls. She's telling them to play for last last shot with 35 seconds left. I mean, she did an incredible job coaching the kids. Um, and I'll tell you what, coach's son, Luke Trobay over there, you know, helping out quite a bit too, helping Gracie out. So, you know, it's a little different right now in Chelsea because we got Jake Stevens coming through. I got Luke on the bench as an eighth grader, uh, you know, helping out. And, you know, we, we got a lot of kids like the Blanton boys rolling through kids that have played in this program for a long time where, you know, they know what, what we run. They know what we do. So that, that didn't really surprise me. Um, but I'll tell you where we where we really lack today is where Hanover doesn't going back to giving them a compliment. We, we it looked like an open gym defensively for everybody <laughs> except for Hanover Horton. And um, and I'll tell you what, when kids got tired everybody settled for bad jump shots and in all the games. I'm not talking about the Chelsea games. I'm talking about all the games. That's the one thing I noticed, you know, a lot of quick shots when kids get tired. Um, I thought the kids looked two things. One really out of shape on all the teams, yep, I believe but, it. But, but two, maybe this is why they're out of shape, really struggling with the masks. It, it was, it was an issue all day. And I, I tried to kind of read the room and things like that. Um, I know that as high school coaches, and then John Zajac, the AD at Tecumseh, was also there today um, coaching a team, which we'll get into that whole thing later. Mm. But um, John John did a great job of policing the kids um, as far as masks and things like that go. And, and several of us others talked to kids. That was the only disappointment today. Um, we had a couple teams today that just decided once the game started, they didn't really care what the rule was, and they just took their masks off. At the end of one of the quarters, we actually went – there was several uh, – Chad Mortimer, myself, my assistant Greg Stevens, John Zajac, we went over and talked to teams and said, listen, if you're not going to put your mask back on, you have to leave. And it was just – we felt as high school coaches and athletic directors, we need to be the ones that make sure all the kids follow the example. Because, I mean, none of us like the rule, but it is the rule, and it's just the way it is. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I actually watched and didn't – I was curious, you know, obviously, to, to watch that. And I didn't think that it was too bad of an issue in terms of, like, you know, the level of play. I thought kids are still able to get up and down. I mean, there's a lot of playing with it. The, the biggest issue, like Josh is saying, is just the, the level of compliance is different, kid to kid, team to team. And, you know, some – like the refs are stopping it occasionally, saying to pull the, the masks up. I know it's not supposed to be their job. The, the biggest problem with this is just going to be it's going to be a hassle. Who is the – or who, who's enforcing it, right? Who's, who's policing it? How, how bad – do they have to be above the nose 100% of the time? When can you pull it down to take a breath? You know, it, it, it's the logistics of it I think that are going to be the biggest problem. But my takeaway was I think it can be done with the mask. I think you can play with the mask. It's just the logistics of it are going to be a nightmare. And just the complaining about it is going to get old fast. So, but my question for you, Derek and, and Matt, I don't mean to cut you off, but yeah, I, I agree it can be done, but here, here's my issue. So Jordan fans are senior for me today, um, goes up for a layup and has his mask ripped off 
on, on the drive, not intentionally, but ripped off by a Hanover Horton kid, which not surprising that every possession they're going to put their hands on somebody as Hanover Horton basketball, <laughs> but they ripped the mask off his, his face. And I, you can see him kind of, you know, a little bit of shock. And I asked him after he goes, yeah, it kind of hurt one of my ears with the string caught on his ear. And no one's talked about that. You know, that, that is a concern with the masks as well. You know, those strings are around their ears. Um, and I was actually sitting with Chad at the time, and I teased him. I said the same thing to him, like, oh, typical Hanro Horton, you know, and he laughed, and we went back with a good friend of mine. But I, I said to him, you know, he was he was complaining because several of the Chelsea kids kept taking their masks down to breathe and stuff. And he's like, I don't know why you guys just don't cut two of the ply out of the mask. And I said to him, then why are we wearing them? If we're going to cut the masks up and we're going to uh, adapt the masks and, and rip them out and things like this, then they're not really serving the purpose anyways. Like, so that's going to be a bigger question for the MHSA and for ADs and leagues. I mean, is there a certain mask you have to wear or are we allowed to cut these masks up? So they're not really masks. I mean, I, I don't, I don't really get who's going to decide that. And then again, why wear them if that's what we're going to do? Uh, you know, I, I don't know. I, I don't have a good answer, but it certainly was not smooth today, that part of it. And it's going to be an athletic director's and coach's nightmare moving forward. There's no doubt. Um, Matt? Yeah, I mean, it, it's, you know, I I, I understand. I, I really think if you're going to wear masks like these, these cloth masks you, and you're going to be a player who's going to see significant minutes in a game, you almost need four to eight masks with you for every game. You need to be able to change them occasionally. Otherwise, it's like wearing a dish rag around on your face the whole night. Our kids at open gym just doing some basic shooting drills uh, off, you know, using the gun and stuff there. You know, their mask just, you know, just soaking wet and they're not even really going up and down the floor. But I can imagine I got some photos. Derek had sent me over a couple of images from the from the league. I was kind of curious about it. You know, it looked like, you know, half the guys, they had beards because the masks are down by their chin. But um, anybody who's played basketball understands that's just part of the deal right now. I don't know. Uh, the football, it, it's it's. The football thing is a joke right now. You know, we got. Uh, You're not even wearing masks in football. Well, they're wearing these what they call spit guards, and this is all of a sudden this is okay in, in lieu of the instead of the mask, and it's just a plastic shield on the helmet, kind of like in front of your mouth. But you know, you still breathe. You can breathe out of other parts of the helmet. It's like really. So I mean, I, again, I I don't think they can play with masks either because they've got the mouthpieces and things, but. For that to be okay, and it's just, again, the inconsistencies just make you scratch your head. But basketball with masks is going to be a challenge, and in, enforcing in, in it's going to be a headache. You're right. I don't, I don't disagree with that, but um, I, I still like the fact that they're playing. Uh, that, that was good so, today, um, despite, like like you said, what, what Ann Arbor Pioneer thinks about this. So, um, I mean, two, two things to that point. One, I would like to see the MHSA send somebody to our fall league. Or to uh, the Warriors are having a fall league in um, Livonia. The, you know, there's one all of our kids are in. There's one in Livonia. Big Cats running one in Novi. These fall leagues are out there. And all these kids are going to wear masks in all these leagues because that's the rule. I'd like them to send somebody out and take a look at this because really we're doing them a, a favor and, and almost being guinea pigs and, and trying this out and following the rules and all these things by sending our kids to these leagues. And I would really like them to kind of, you know, maybe they could learn something from it, what's working, what isn't working, all those things. And then I guess the other thing though, is this is, and I'll go back to this is really what sports are wearing a mask. Cause 
listen, volleyball is wearing a mask. I, I know that. I've been to soccer games. They are not wearing masks. They're wearing beards. These kids are not wearing them. I went to the Jackson-Chelsea soccer game last week. I mean, they're definitely all under their nose. Most of them, they're on their chins. Um, some just got them around their necks. But um, football's not wearing one. I mean, like you said, they, they now have this, you know, plastic visor around their mouthpiece. But So, really, now we're going to ask basketball to wear a mask, but really nobody else that runs? I mean, it's it's a weird deal. I, I don't. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. How were the spectators? Uh, were they uh, in Oh, compliance? yeah, they're great. Yeah, they did. Okay, good, good. Yep. I, I, you agree, that, Derek? I, I agree with that as well. The indoor yeah. spectators, I think even at the high school level, have been really good. Our volleyball uh, spectators, no matter what, where we've been, it, it, it understood. Uh, outdoor spectators, not so much. Uh, I, I think it's less than 50% at soccer games and football games, yet spectators are actually wearing their mask or wearing them properly. So, um, but that's just, I guess, something where it's a work in progress. So, I got one more thing before we go. Yeah, I, I have to mention this because it, we can listen back to the tape. But Coach Fosdick, recent episode of the pod, <laughs> he mentioned that you know, due to his energy and him getting on the officials, he has never had a guy. I believe he said he has never had one of his players get a T in his time at Celine. Well. He wasn't there today, but one of his kids got a team playing. So I just had to point that one out because that was—I won't, I won't say the kid's name, but I thought that was hilarious because he had that's awesome. That recently, oh, and, and oh, had, that- coach, had Coach Fosick been there to kind of you know to kind of take over and defend his player? That probably would never happen. But they, they didn't have that voice on the sideline. Perhaps that's right. That must be it. That must be it. <laughs> was so I got to ask what official got him. Was, uh, it the, was it the female official on court uh, three? Yes, it was. She she oh, well, yeah. she teed him up. It was the guy was getting into it with the other official, and the other official sent him to the bench. He said, "Go to the bench." And then, as he was walking to the bench, he had a uh, a few select words for that official, and the, <laughs> a female official heard it and said, "Yeah, you're getting a tee for that." So I'm telling you, I, she is from not phenomenal official. I mean, there, there's my tooth issue right there, but she is great. And I had a feeling because she did a great job in the one game that I watched and just kind of monitoring the kids. It was the Celine Tecumseh game. And, but yeah, that, that's great. I, I love it. The Hornets coming in entitled thinking they deserve calls and typical <laughs> Celine. What are you going to do? You know? Hey Josh, before we uh, transition to our guest here, do you, do you, you want to clarify your shot at pioneer earlier? The one that I kind of built on, or we're we just going to leave that out there for the, for the listeners. No, no, I, I, I know that, you know, I, I don't think they were aware of this fall basketball league. So I just want to make sure I could help coach Marion and coach Hicks and pioneer athletics out a little bit, you know, just making sure they knew there was fall leagues for the last 15 years in Michigan. It sounds like they were complaining a little bit that uh, this was a money grab and they're trying to notify all the athletic directors in the area that, that uh, these, these fall leagues are out there and we need to protect our kids and our programs. <laughs> On the notes to them, uh, these have been going on since before 2010. So yeah. it is. Kind of and, and they'll be going on for the next yes, 20 years. Yeah, yeah. might be more. So, yeah. Okay, well, hey, on that note, it is time. Let's, uh, let's get to our special guest. We are now joined on Coach Speak by Tony Scheffler, who was named the head girls basketball coach at Chelsea High School back in May. Tony replaces 20-year veteran uh, Todd Bloomquist, who led the Bulldogs to over 300 wins during his 20-year career. Tony is even better known for his three-sport dominance at Chelsea High School two decades ago, an impressive football tenure at Western Michigan University, and then eight seasons in the NFL. 
where he played for both the Denver Broncos and my beloved Detroit Lions, who, by the way, got their first win today. Tony, welcome to the podcast. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Good deal, man. Hey, Coach, let, let's jump right into it. You take over the Chelsea Girls program in the spring. You go through an interview process over Zoom sessions. There's no summer games. You're practicing outside on the blacktop. I mean, you you name it, it's been different. What are some of the, the, the positives, the negatives, or, or what are some of the good things that have come out of this, and what are your biggest challenges? Oh, man, you hit the nail on the head. Um, kind of the common theme to this whole thing is no one really has been taught how to handle this. So on, on one hand, it's, you know, it's pretty refreshing. It's something new. The book hasn't been written on this thing. And uh, so you're able to kind of make your own rules and, um, you know, kind of handle it however you want. And uh, it, it's been good in that regard. Uh, on the other end of it, it's it's been a lot of work. You know, when I first signed up, I didn't plan on being at the at the school every day, <laughs> checking kids in, <laughs> taking temperatures, <laughs> that sort of thing. Uh, the summer got a little long in that aspect, but surprisingly, it was just it was so refreshing to be around the kids and and they they just ate it up because um, there wasn't a lot. You know, we were locked down and we didn't have a whole lot to look forward to. And um, just even that that hour at, at the blacktop at Beach Middle School um, every day was, you know, an, an escape from the situation. And we got so much good work in. You, you would have never thought. On blacktop, 90 degrees, double rims, 20-mile-an-hour <laughs> wind, that we would got the work we got in. But we did, and uh, I think we'll be better for it in the end. Yeah, and I, I just want to say, like, I, I've been around Chelsea for six years with the girls' basketball program, seeing how things have worked and things. And, and as Coach Suttle mentioned, you know, you're replacing Hall of Fame-type coach and Coach Bloomquist. Um, mm -hmm. But that being said, the numbers for girls basketball in Chelsea have never been higher than they were this summer with Coach Scheffler. And I, I know it was a long summer because um, you put so much into it. But that being said, I don't I don't think the numbers would have been so high if you hadn't have been there. And, and I think um, that's a credit to your dedication, but also how excited the girls are to play for you. Well, I really appreciate that. And um, I tell the kids every day, you know, I'm just as lucky uh, to have them as they are to have me. You know, it's uh it's kind of a mutual respect for one another. And, um, man, it was just a blast getting out there and, and just working hard. You know, I'm, I'm a hard work guy. I'm not a, I'm not an X and O, um, just overthink, uh, you know, paralysis by analysis. Uh, I'm a hard work. We put the work in and we'll reap the benefits later on. So, uh, yeah, you're right. There was, there was nights where we went, you know, we went till dark and, the girls didn't want to leave and, you know, they would be there an hour after dark. They just, they're committed and they love being around each other. And uh, man, what coach wouldn't love that, you know? Right. Hey, Tony, you know, Brad Bush has given, given you a ton of credit and, and the Chelsea players have been singing praise the last two years because of the job you've done as an assistant coach. That said, um, I guess uh, what will be the biggest challenge or adjustment uh, or, or and, and I'm sure you're looking forward to it, but you're sliding over a seat now to that head coaching spot. And that's always a little bit different. So what are your thoughts on that? Absolutely. And that's been my biggest challenge so far. Um, I, you know, as an assistant, you're able to develop these awesome relationships with the kids and not really be responsible <laughs> for the, <laughs> the final, the final say. And uh, so you can be a little bit more open with them. You can be, you know, in their corner a little bit more. 
so that has been the hardest transition but at the same time I'm just man I just I'm a relationship coach uh, I've been taught by you know you know some of the best coaches to ever coach in Michigan I've been lucky enough to be taught by and even in, you know as far as the NFL with Mike Shanahan I think he's like 15th all time right. on the win, wins list two Super Bowls and he was a player's coach um I just I feel like I have the, the experience. I've been around enough amazing coaches that, you know, I, I just – I feel like it'll be an easy transition. But you're right. Um, there is a little bit more that goes into it, um, a little bit more, you know, feathering of, of egos and <laughs> dealing with assistant coaches and, and that sort of thing that I didn't really have to deal with. Got it. But I think it, it, it'll come. Cool. All right, Coach, so at first glance, the average sports fan who maybe doesn't know you well might think that the Chelsea football job, which opened a few years ago, would have been a landing spot for you instead of the girls' basketball position. Uh, So a couple of things. One, did you ever consider coaching football at Chelsea? And two, why did you choose the girls' basketball route instead of that? You know what? I I actually helped coach Bush. Uh, So Brad Bush was, was my coach in high school. And, you know, we obviously all know Coach Bush. You know, his record, his resume, you know, kind of stands alone in this area. You know, you know, 169 wins, you know, playoffs, 18 of 21 years. Uh, You could go on and on about Coach Bush. Uh, He's been one of my mentors uh, my whole life. And uh, it's just I I came over right after I was done playing in Detroit and I and I was coaching tight ends with him for about a month. And I just didn't have the fire. I was kind of burnt out on football. Um, I was away from my kids, you know, coaching high school football. I didn't realize is, is a heavy grind, man. It's, I, I, I just couldn't believe it that those guys put that much time and effort into it. Uh, it's pretty remarkable um, from the outside looking and you don't realize, and that goes, that goes with any sport really at, at the high school level. I don't think the people outside the programs realize um, the grind, the effort, um, the amount of time that these coaches put in, um, for these kids, you know, it definitely goes way beyond what you're getting paid for sure. It's for the love of the game and for the love of helping kids, uh, compete and reach a goal. So, uh, you know, I was with coach Bush there for a month or so, and I had to back out and, uh, I kind of just went away. I went dark for a while. (laughs) It's pretty hard transitioning out of the NFL, um, do something you love your whole life. And then, you know, I, I don't know what I was, 31 years old, just was told I wasn't able to do it anymore. So uh, it's a pretty heavy process to navigate. And, uh, man, I just – basketball was always my number one love it, my whole life. Uh, I grew up going to Siena Heights Saints camp, um, competing with some of those guys over there, J3, Brent Kudron, the, Gary and Doug Gray. Oh, yeah. Um, yep. You know, all those guys. Uh, I kind of grew up over there, in, and I just love basketball. I went to Ben Braun's camp at Eastern a couple years. Uh, I was just a basketball junkie, Fab Five. I always loved the game, and I was a pretty good player, but it just ended up being the one sport I didn't play in college. It's pretty funny. But uh, <laughs> there's a reason I think I came back to it. Uh, my oldest daughter started getting involved and ended up coaching her AAU team, and that really got me got me back into the swing of it and – really got interested and man I just got I got bit by the bug I just I love the game and I love being around it so it's it's just kind of been a natural progression 
people in and around Chelsea know that the Chelsea girls have a chance to be really good this season. Um, you're combining some strong returning players with a few newcomers that could be really special. Um, I know they're young, but the talent's definitely there with the young group. Um, do you mind sharing your thoughts and expectations for the upcoming season? Man, you're going to put me on the boat. Yeah, <laughs> let's go. We got to get our preview information going right now. Unbelievable. Go. Yeah. I better watch what I say. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, man, I, I think to a fault, I have a little bit too much confidence in these kids. Um, I just think they're invincible. I, I just, I, I, this would be my third year. And, you know, I, I put the prepper in, I go scout. Uh, I don't know what that scouting will look like this year with the COVID and, yeah. and that sort of thing. I'm a little worried about that because I really enjoy going and seeing these games in person on the road and, and scouting. And when I come back with the scouting report, the kids really buy in. Um, they see me traveling, you know, an hour to go watch a Tuesday night uh, game and up in Grand Ledge or wherever it be. And I think the girls really buy into that. But I like I have all the confidence in the world in this team. You know, my first year, we were 24 and two. Uh, we we lost by a bucket in the quarterfinal, uh, won the regional. I I think this team is just as good if not better. And, and I'll tell them that every day. Um, I just have a lot of confidence in them. We've got a couple young, young bucks coming up that, that can really help. And we've got such a good senior core, awesome leaders, awesome defenders, awesome people. One of them's top of the class in the senior class. So just the type of kid that I get to coach. I, I, I don't know. I, I, like I said, I have so much faith in these kids uh, both on and off the court, that it's it's really easy to coach them. So I think I think we can make a run. For I, sure. I, I believe you. Oh, hey, I wonder if there's any chance that maybe we could play the the boys games in those double headers. Maybe play the boys game first and the girls game second this year at Chelsea because Josh never pays attention to the girls game. That way he'll actually get a chance to watch the Chelsea girls and appreciate them a little more. Josh, what do you think about that? That I agree. I, hey, I tried to do that last year because the girls were so good, I, especially like the girls Dexter uh, game. It's it's you. Right. I mean it's I mean it's a good game. Oh yeah, no, I, I it is hard. I, Tony and I have talked about this because we both have kids coming to the high school too about wanting like the jvs to play in front of the varsity so we can watch our kids play it's uh it's hard to focus on that game when yours is the next one you know it's, it's a tough thing to do there's no doubt hey one other thing before we go to the next question josh i think we found out when tony says he went dark for a while you remember that text message about a couple weeks ago when he said something about mountains hunting and a horse oh yeah <laughs> i think we know I think we know what going dark meant. I think that's yeah, when hunting, running yeah. around out there. Yeah, anyway, exactly. Sometimes uh, you just got to recharge, you know. <laughs> I got it. Hey, uh, Tony, let, let's talk some NFL football. Uh, you played in the league for eight years. We're very productive from the tight end position. Heck, I think uh, Josh even had you on his fantasy team a couple of years. Uh, oh, boy. <laughs> you, you had <laughs> Jay Cutler was your quarterback for three years in Denver. Matt Stafford was your QB in Detroit. And heck, you were you were running routes next to Calvin Johnson, but right. that is not what I want to hear about yet. Instead, I, I need, I'm a Michigan football fan, so I need to know more about the legendary Jim Schwartz Jim Harbaugh incident in 2011, which was which was <laughs> the year you guys went 10 and six and made the playoff. Right. What, what do you remember about how that whole thing transpired in the aftermath and everything? What what do you remember about that? <laughs> Uh, I was actually sitting. I, I was sitting in my basement. Um, I had a concussion the week before. Oh, you, you weren't even there. Yeah, I wasn't even there. Nope. <laughs> um, so I was kind of watching it on my TV. 
So I couldn't wait till uh, the next day, the Monday morning at the facility <laughs> to watch the film and to hear all the guys hooting and hollering. Um, so I wasn't on the field for that, but I definitely was there for the film sessions on Monday and in the slow-mo replay. And we had 10 different camera angles that the TV didn't pick up uh, from our cameraman. Right. Um, coach Schwartz was a really, really interesting guy. Uh, awesome coach to play for very high energy, um, very front running, just, you know, really proud guy. And, uh, you know, it was, it was awesome to play for him. And that year we had a, we had a heck of a season and we kind of early on, we, we created our own energy and practice and myself and Nate Burleson kind of started dancing Yeah, and <laughs> right. coach Schwartz was kind of the ringleader of it. Like we're going to dance on him, you know, in his pregame speeches. And <laughs> so he kind of egged us on and, uh, you know, we just had a lot of fun with that season and we, and it was our best season. We played really well, made it to the playoffs and, uh, lost in new Orleans down there, but it was, it was, pretty awesome experience but uh yeah that that game I wasn't at but like I said uh, we we definitely the boys were hooting and hollering the next day on the film and we got a lot of laughs yeah, about it it wasn't a, it wasn't as serious as everyone portrayed right, it. Um, right and uh yeah and I've been around coach Harbaugh and he's definitely a different cat as well so it's uh <laughs> two peacocking at each other was is pretty funny to me all right cool that's awesome and coach so some of us here are, are definitely lions fans now we maybe not as diehard of a fan as my dad um because it, it can be tough to be a lions fan at times but uh but anyways do, do you mind sharing your thoughts on the current state of the lions and, and why you think it has been so difficult for them to turn this thing around oh man it's definitely been interesting um you know i i had i got drafted in the second round by denver in 06 and at the time they were coming off back-to-back you know AFC title championship losses so they were they were at the top and uh the world-class organization um it's just an an awesome place awesome fan base um just everything was awesome and then you know I get traded here I get here it's my childhood team really excited and you know, I, I was pretty excited for most of my four years. Um, but at the same time, it's just having been to a world-class organization, um, you kind of know how things are. That's kind of the norm. And then you go somewhere else and it doesn't quite stack up. And then you kind of just realize why things are the way they are. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's the best way I can put it. Yeah. Um, it's just from the top. It's just, it's, it's just ran a little different. You know, Coach, um, along with all the benefits of being a pro athlete, you obviously experienced some of the negatives, like dealing with injuries and concussions as well. Um, And that obviously played a major role in your retirement in 2014. Um, You also have a son who who actually took had a a tough injury recently himself, by the way. Um, Mm -hmm. But one day he's going to come to you and want to play football. Are you good with him playing football or is it? the recent studies, does that concern you or is it more of a concern like at the pro level than high school? Yeah. I, um, I don't know. I, I'm, I will never tell him he can't play football. That's about as black and white as I can get with it. Right. I, uh, I would, I like to see him play quarterback or, you know, one of the lesser involved positions. Sure. But at the same time, you know, I'm of the theory that a lot of that stuff is genetic. Okay. Um, you're kind of, predisposed to certain things and you just don't know um and you can get those same injuries in any sport really 
or flipping off a beanbag at your house like <laughs> I had last week. <laughs> man, man. With yeah. a lot of stickers and that sort of thing. So um, especially in this environment that we're in with the, you know, COVID-19 and, and just the uncertainty of so many things. Um, I'm of the, of the notion of just live life. And, and if you want to play football, play football um, and work hard and try and be the best at it. Um, I just, um, I, I don't know. There's, you can be one side of it or the other with the concussions and I'm on the side of it that it's just part of the game. And um, you know, I'm okay with it. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. And I also don't, I, I see it being something that's way more serious when they get to the level you got to at the pro level where there's such big bodies moving at such great speeds. It's I mean, I, I don't see, yeah, I don't see a lot of that in high school. Yeah, no. Um, yeah. I was t- deathly terrified of everyone in high school. So I, uh, I stayed on the perimeter and tried not to things pretty smooth in high school. <laughs> oh man. Hey, Tony, you know, you ended up at Western Michigan university after graduating from Chelsea in uh, 2001 and that was, you know, it's a different time period, of course. I mean, for example, you and I talked about this earlier. I, I was coaching just a few miles away from you, but, but I, I really only knew you from newspaper articles instead of, you know, what you get today with Twitter posts or huddle videos. So how did, uh, how did that connection with Western come about? How did they find out about you and what attracted you to them? Uh, you know, it's, it's very different. Like you said, um, today's social media world is, is crazy and, and we didn't have any of that. So uh, the recruiting aspect was very different. You know, it was VHS tape right, and in-person right. in, in scouting. And uh, so, you know, in today's world, you get offered. I got offered by Central Michigan as a junior uh, for football. In today's world, if you get offered by Central Michigan as a junior, the whole Mac, you put it on Twitter, and then the whole Mac <laughs> offers you the next day. That is true. That's true. <laughs> that that's just not how it was then. So, you know, I held that, that was my only offer as a junior. I held that offer and man, they called me every day for, for a year. I mean, and so I was, you know, pretty well set on going there. Willie Martinez was, was the guy recruiting me at the time. And, and actually Jason Carr was there as a coach uh, for central Michigan, Lloyd Carson, who's now in Celine, but uh, uh, just kind of, it kind of evolved and Western offered me and Dan Enos uh, was the person recruiting me at Western. And he was, you know, a Michigan state quarterback and he was offensive coordinator at Western. And I kind of just fell in love with Dan and, and, and the campus and that sort of thing. And I switched and I got a, a lovely phone call from Mike DeBoard uh, yelling at me for not, <laughs> for committing to Western Michigan. <laughs> right. and, uh, I'll never forget that. And I actually went to school with Tyler DeBoard, his son, uh, he went to Celine and ended up, you know, grew up playing against him, was friends with him. But uh, I just had a few Mac offers. Um, you know, I think baseball, I could have played at a Big Ten school had I pursued that. Um, but, you know, I, I, I wanted to play football financially for my family. I needed to get a full ride. Uh, my brother was already at Hope. So my parents were paying that. He was playing football there. And uh, I just really had my set, even that when I, you know, my goal is set when I was little to, to get a full division one scholarship and kind of just jumped at the opportunity. Right. It worked out for you. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, obviously I would love to go to Michigan. I mean, I grew up a huge Michigan fan in one of my first days in Detroit, Lloyd Carr was actually on the sideline watching practice and I made sure to make a stop over, introduce myself <laughs> and, 
He's like, oh, uh, yeah, I know you. I made a big mistake. So, <laughs> one of the all-time moments of my life. Oh, that's great. Look, look, are, uh, saying he was sorry for not offering me a scholarship. That's awesome. All right, well, speaking of coaches, you had the enviable experience of playing for three highly successful high school coaches, Brad Bush in football, Robin Raymond in basketball, and Wayne Welton in, in baseball. What can you tell us about those three guys and how have they impacted Man. you? We don't have enough time. I don't. How long is this podcast? <laughs> yeah, um, man, I'm a lucky guy. What a town! What a, I mean, just everything. Um, the people here are so great. I owe a lot to this town, to the to my coaches. The first person I called when I got released by Detroit uh, was Wayne Welton, and he was coaching or he was watching. Joe, his son, was was coaching a middle school football game at Celine. And I left the facility in, in Allen Park there and was headed home. And coach said, I want you to come over to the old Celine Crabtree field. I'm over here watching Joe. So I went directly there and, you know, had a good old hour long heart to heart with my old, my old ball coach. Pretty cool. It just, you know, as fate would have it. Uh, awesome, awesome people, awesome coaches. Uh, I don't, I don't, I just don't even know where to start really. You know, Coach Welton always preached the little things. Um, he was big on individual goals, um, just really meticulous with everything. And I picked up a lot of those tendencies from him. Uh, Coach Bush, the same, uh, really organized, um, really even keel. Um, I would come back and, and be in Coach Bush's ear. He'll tell you this day, you know, <laughs> I just wanted the ball. I wanted the ball every play. <laughs> Coach Bush will tell you that, you know, that's a rare thing for uh, for a guy to come up and want the ball every play. Uh, he'll tell you he wished he had more of those guys. But, man, I, I just – I'm lucky to be around him, Coach Welton, Coach Raymond, and Todd Bloomquist. You know, I sat on Todd's bench for two years. Uh, 300 wins at the varsity level in 20 years is is awesome. Yeah. Uh, such, a, such a great coach, uh, a player's coach. You know, 14 uh, conference titles, 11 districts. So just to learn from him, learn from all those guys and be around Chelsea. And a lot of the same people are still here, you know. There's, you know, Coach T Adam Taylor is, is in the weight room. He doesn't get enough credit. Um, one of the most awesome people here in town devotes his whole life to these kids. Uh, just, you know, I've been lucky. I Like I said, I could talk about it for hours, but they – just the little things, the way things are done, the, the amount of hard work, effort are, are kind of the big talking points, I think, with those guys. Coach, you were an all-state football player, an all-state baseball player at Chelsea. And what yeah. people don't realize is you're one of the all-time leading scorers, all-time leading rebounders, and all-time leading assist uh, makers here in Chelsea basketball history. Not many were as successful as you at any of those sports, let alone being that successful at all three. Back then, a three-sport athlete was pretty common. Why do you think that is changing now, and is that good or bad? Ugh, year-round travel sports. I mean, I say it every day. I, I'm right in the middle of it now with my with my oldest daughter. She's an eighth grader. Uh, it's just it's tiresome. My 13-year-old daughter is having to make decisions that no 13-year-old should have to make, whether it be missing a school field hockey game on a Wednesday night to play a doubleheader for her travel softball team um, or 
you know, an AAU basketball practice, you know, it, it's just, it's hard. I don't, I don't, I, I feel sorry for these kids that these sports have become such, you know, a monetized thing, a year round thing. It's just, it's forced. Yeah. I, I, I find myself saying that word every day. Everything is so forced. Nothing is natural anymore in the sports world. And I, my, my journey to the NFL was a very natural thing. You know, it was, my parents never had that envision for me. I never, thought about it I never worked towards that I just kind of played the sport that was in season and then I moved on and and I became you know a well-rounded athlete in, in all those sports and it just you know I, my work ethic in the end is what got me to where I where I needed to be but this three sport thing man I'm 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 trying with my kids it's hard though when when you miss something and you get bumped to the bench on your travel softball team because you weren't there. Uh, it's very disheartening. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, and I know you, you know, you and I have had this conversation, you know, other times and, and I wanted to make sure I asked you that question to have it on the podcast, because I've always loved your answer about talking about it, it being so monetized. I, there are so many people out there that are trying to make a living off kids mm -hmm. in travel sports. And, and I think that, that's kind of skewed the way it's supposed to be. And, uh, but I, that being said, this isn't on our script or anything, but a, a follow-up that I have for you, do you think it'll ever go back to the way it was or we, if we cross the bridge and there's, there's no return? No, I think it has to, I think it has to, there's gotta be a tipping point, you know, especially on people that aren't as fortunate that don't have the money, uh, to do these, these travel sports. And, I just feel like it's uh, there's a lot of people getting left behind. And I think at some point there's going to be a tipping point and, and, you know, common sense will prevail. I, I would hope, um, like I said, it's just hard. It's, <laughs> it's kind of, you, you could tell my frustration with the whole process. You know, I love coaching and I would, you know, right away. I think of, I have a lot of people saying, why don't you give lessons? Why don't you charge these kids? Why don't you funnel these kids? Now you're a coach at the school. Why don't you funnel these kids into private lessons and, and that sort of thing. And it's just, man, I, that's just not, that's not why I do it. That's, you know, I just, it, it's a very forced monetized thing at that point. And uh, sports for me were, were an escape. They were a, a journey of, you know, just something pure and natural. And, and that's kind of the way I want to keep it. And I think there's enough people that, that did it that way that, that it can go back to the way it was. I, I think. Yeah. I hope you're right. Well, we're glad we're glad you didn't give up basketball, like give up the sport in the middle just to be a two sport guy. Because had you done exactly. that, you never you never would have got to warm up in front of the Tecumseh's <laughs> student section called the jungle. And I, we, you, you got to share that story with our listeners. Back in your high school days, you're warming up before a basketball game at Tecumseh at the old high school, and you had kind of an up close yeah, and I mean, experience uh, with the members of the jungle. We obviously had a couple want, of football touch on games that with quick. Tecumseh. <laughs> Uh, my senior year, uh, they were in our conference, obviously. And then we beat them in the playoffs. I think it was the first or second round of the playoffs my senior year in football. Uh, so we had – there was definitely some bad blood there. Josh Hutchinson as a quarterback and Eric Cannon as wide receiver over there in Tecumseh. And, yeah, we had some we had some bad blood to begin with. And, you know, it kind of just yeah. rolled into basketball season. And, yeah, like you said, I mean, I was in the corner in front of the jungle student section back in those days. You played in the little uh, matchbox gyms 
where everyone was piled in there and uh, we didn't play in these big open arenas like we do now. But um, so the students were right on top. Yeah, I was in the corner shooting a jump shot and I got tackled from behind and uh, <laughs> yeah, went down hard and, and the kid actually ran up into the student section and hid. And one of my big, big posts, Joe Tripodi, who is, ends up being a, you know, a full ride football offensive lineman at Northwestern. He went up into the bleachers after him and uh, grabbed him by the neck. So it was uh, a pretty interesting experience. <laughs> I tell the kids about it and they, they don't believe me. That's video of it. <laughs> That's awesome. That's classic. Oh, so, Coach, speaking of so Tecumseh's old fun. gym with those spectators right on top of you, and that was pretty much the case everywhere 20 years ago. You know, um, I actually kind of wish I would have had that experience or at least some of it when I was playing because, like, like you mentioned, now all the schools are – especially in the SEC and Livingston County and stuff, they're all wide open. They're big. They got the tracks up top where everyone comes in and walks down. So it's not, not giving you that same feel. Do, do you have a preference between the old and new gyms uh, when it comes to a game day atmosphere? Yeah, I love the old gyms. Um, so I was, when I was living in uh, Celine when I played for Detroit and it was just so big. And uh, I think actually one of you know, what really got me coming back to Chelsea, uh, I went and saw, an Onstead basketball game. Uh, who's the big there at Michigan oh, that played Davis. it on? Yeah. Austin. So, yeah, Austin Davis. There's a lot of hoopla about him. Davis, yeah. So Austin I Davis. went over to Onstead's gym and watched him play in high school. And, man, that just took me back. That gym at Onstead and and I just – that small town feel, it, you know, it was everything that I loved. And uh, that that's kind of what started the process, wheels in motion of – of getting back to Chelsea, smaller town. And, and uh, yeah, I would love to play in those smaller gyms, especially coaching the girls. We don't get, you know, as big a crowds. Um, I think it would be more, you know, more intimate, uh, louder. And maybe we'll get that in, you know, in our new Ox gym uh, that we're building here in, at Chelsea high school. Um, maybe, I don't know. I, I definitely like the smaller gyms for sure. I know what, you know what we're going to need to do coach we're going to um, – once they, they refinish all the gyms yeah. in town, I know Ben and Ben Street, so we need to play at the WSEC once or twice a year. We, we got to do it. That, that would be a blast. Not Obviously not against Dexter, but, boy, like you're talking about on a Friday night, maybe against like a, a Pinkney or a Tecumseh, bring that back to feel like where you had when you were in high school. That would be incredible. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you on that, man. Hey Tony, man, we had we had a feeling this would be fun, and and you definitely did not disappoint. We actually probably should have a part two with you. We had a lot more to talk about, but we uh, we really appreciate you joining us today. Uh, we also want to wish you well with the Chelsea girls this coming winter. I think we got we got both programs in a really good spot for sure. I agree. All right, man. Well, you, you take care. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks a lot, guys. Thanks, coach. No doubt. It is now time for the Prep Pigskin Picks segment of our podcast. And, folks, we couldn't be more thrilled with our guest picker this week, the one and only Tim Kane. Tim is currently the head girls basketball coach at Father Gabriel Richard High School in Ann Arbor, where he led the Irish to a 13-9 record during his first season last winter. Tim also coached the Varsity Boys at Willow Run in its final year of existence and the Varsity Boys at Dexter from 2015 to 2019. In addition, he has been a respected assistant at places like Skyline, Celine, and Belleville, among others. 
Coach Kane, this is an historic moment. Welcome to the podcast. Good to be here. Uh, I'm glad you didn't list all the schools that I that I've coached at. We <laughs> we've been here for quite a long time. So, among others, uh, covers the rest. Let's just go with that, man. So, hey, uh, so I, we got to know, man. What what is your football resume? Any playing or coaching, or are you just a big fan? No, I played in high school for a little bit, and then. Uh, you know, I, I think three sports even back then was a little too much. So I just I stuck with baseball and uh, basketball. It's probably best as a football player. I played uh, tight end and linebacker and uh, caught a few touchdowns uh, at for Celine. But uh, you know, I've always loved it. Family loves it. We're big Notre Dame family. We're oh, I love the elastic in the head. Uh, you'll you'll see me wearing a lot of Irish stuff around. That's why FGR is so beautiful. I mean, I already have the clothing. So I did not I did not do a very good job of screening. I, I thought when I talked to Tim beforehand, I thought I went through some of his. I I missed the Notre Dame thing. Sorry, Derek. We had to tolerate this for it's another big. week. Yeah. It's big. <laughs> Tim, I I knew I liked. Yeah, you, you know, I I always knew you're a big Notre Dame fan. I I always do my homework. So uh, you know, that's why we get along sometimes <laughs> there you go <laughs> so of course Tim, we always got along twice a year we didn't get along. <laughs> well I, let it be known too tim about the time you were going to start sticking it to josh on the court as a coach at dexter he he went to the college game for a couple of years to avoid those butt kickings and then he came back so I, that's that's my story and i'm sticking to it but i uh, I, I will say you know um we probably had two of the better games in that history i know the uh the Johnny Benjamin shot that like that's as good as it gets, but you know that almost half court shot that you guys won, and, and then my first game against Josh when uh, Grant Catcher, our best player, our best shooter, we had a really executed well play and corner three to win the game, and it just it just came up short. So we've had really great games. So I, I get nothing. that was a great play, great great hammer screen play. I remember it well. Yeah, man, it, kids executed it well. And, you know, sometimes you make them, sometimes you don't. So no doubt, and it, it should be noted that Tim again his his alliance here. He's obviously a Celine graduate, and we're picking a Celine game this week. Uh, and he's also a, a, a an educator, a teacher, a health teacher, PE. Uh, multiple things over there at Huron High School. So we're also going to throw the River Rats into our our, uh, our pick segment this week, too. So anyway, uh, before we get started, let's recap last week. Our guest speaker, uh, guest picker, Corey Feather, uh, led the way with a 4-1 and record, missing only the Pioneer Skyline game. Uh, Josh and Derek were both 3-2, and two, missing that same game along with the Manchester-Napoleon game. And yours truly, uh, the most intelligent football fan on the podcast went a dismal two and three uh, since I basically refused to pick Chelsea over my alma mater uh, on principle alone. So um, trying to recover from that, that rough week, but this is another week. Uh, and let me tell you, we have some interesting games uh, in front of us uh, to, to talk about. So let's get started. Our pick order will be Derek, Josh, Tim, and then yours truly uh, game. Number one, uh, stretching the Ann Arbor area, of course. Uh, I'm just trying to pick a game that I can win because I I've been lucky with my uh, my Eagles. So we're gonna go Charlotte one and one at Olivet two and zero. Oh. Um, Derek, what are your thoughts on that one? All right. So obviously the uh, the Eagles had a uh, what, what what are we calling that from last night? An exhibition or is it, <laughs> does it even count? I mean, what was it? It, it could have uh, been a hundred to zero. I, I, what? 
Who knows? All but, I know is I was home. I was home. Uh, I was home early. Let's just say that that running clock that, that running clock could have started in the middle of the first quarter, uh, and it would have been better for Perry. But um, it was it was an exhibition, to be honest. Right, and, and it seems as though the Eagles are are rolling right now with their, especially with their rushing attack. I think this is another easy pick. I do think um, Olivet's going to win again. Charlotte had a nice win week one, but then lost thirty three zero to uh, a good Portland team. I just don't think that um, Charlotte can get much going against the Eagles. I think Olivet wins handily. All right, Coach Trope, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, Derek covered it. Uh, Charlotte uh, roller coaster so far. They they win big, lose big. Um, really, th- what we need to talk about is basketball. Uh, Steve Ernst High School. Let, I mean, let's be be honest. The the legend coached in the dome there. Uh, Doctor Technical, I think, was his nickname there. And then there's a rumor that the youth sports king of Michigan, Ron Reed, also coached some football in Charlotte at one time. So um, a lot of ties to Charlotte. Needless to say, uh, this could be another running clock game for Olivet. I'm looking forward to picking some Olivet games when they actually play somebody. Ooh, man. Tim Kane, what do you think? Yeah, I didn't I didn't know you guys would be so prepared. You know, I'm not usually the guy that's prepared. I, I thought it was Charlotte, truthfully. Um <laughs> But uh, <laughs> you thought you're in North Carolina, huh? Okay. I mean, you look at you look at Olivet. They're 27 and seven in the last three years, taking on a program that went one and eight last year, 13 and 34 in the last five. Years. Like, who schedules this? That's an embarrassment to the school. <laughs> Olivet is so much better. They should be playing top programs in the state. They roll 54 nothing. Wow. Well, I scheduled it. Well, I scheduled it, and we we a school of five hundred. Uh, Charlotte at closer to eight hundred, um, and and uh, these of course these two schools have never played in football, which is is I guess I guess understandable because Charlotte was an eight hundred person school when Olivet was back in the mid three three hundred fifty three hundred seventy five kids. So we're getting a little bit bigger, but uh, it's it's going to be interesting. You know, they beat Ionia, uh, but they Portland is very good. That 33 to nothing loss to Portland. A lot of people lose like that to Portland. Um, it was it was 19 to nothing going into the fourth quarter, but uh, it got away from them. Olivet, and this is an understatement, has not been tested. I get that. Um, I am worried about this. No one's forced us to throw yet. Uh, when they do, we're going to see if we can pass that test. And also, we've yet to face even an average passing team. So once we do, and uh, Charlotte – Charlie Grant, uh, I think, is a decent uh, throwing quarterback, so we might get a little bit of a test. I still like our chances this week. I've got Olivet 34, Charlotte 13. Okay, moving on to our second game. Dexter 1-1 one one at Tecumseh 0-2. Derek, what are your thoughts? All right, so last week, or this past week, Dexter got rolling with a big win over Adrian. They had a, a handful of touchdowns from all kinds of different guys. Cabana, I think, had three three touchdowns. Parachuk had one run, a couple uh, throwing maybe one run in, saw Cal Bavanaugh got in the end zone, so yeah. they really kind of got it rolling after that that week one loss. Tecumseh was in a shootout with Pinckney, I saw, and it really was a, a closer game maybe than the final score showed. I think they got a – looks like they got a Ben Scooter playing wide out for him. I know that, that's a very familiar oh, yeah. baseball name there. Absolutely. But, uh, but yeah, I think that uh, – I think Dexter will take care of business. I expect a lot of points in this game. Both these teams seem to have uh, pretty good offenses, but Dexter – well, I'll say win by about 15 to 20. All right, Coach Trope. Yeah, big win for Dexter last week. Um, you know, I think it was 54 to nothing was the final. Um, I look at this week, you know, I, I don't think Tecumseh is as good as they played against Pinckney. 
Um, I would I would say Dexter in a route at Dexter Big. This is kind of what happened last year. Dexter loses to Chelsea early, kind of rolls through the rest of the league, and it will probably get tested when they play Lincoln maybe, but that's about it. Dexter kind of beats up on these kind of teams, and I could see that happening this week. Very good. Coach Kane. All right. I mean, everything I'm hearing is uh, John's Ajax trying to get out of this game. You know, doesn't, <laughs> doesn't like to, to play the tougher schools. And uh, right now, Dexter. Sounds a, like the Alvet AD. Dexter's a oh. tough school. So, uh, you know, they're, they're on a roll. Um, they're playing well. Collins a, a legit quarterback. He's got weapons all around him. He's got a running game. That defense is pretty legit too. I, I see another fifty-four nothing score. There's a little pattern here. So, <laughs> damn man, roll, that's roll deck. A lot of point. <laughs> I got okay. You know the Indians what they've given up ninety-five points in two games, uh, uh, but they are scoring more this year, twenty-seven per game, and that's they didn't do anything close to that last year. Dexter, the, like mentioned earlier, they no longer screw around with weak defensive teams or weak teams in general. They just kind of shred them and. I expect Colin Parachek and Cole Caban and the boys uh, to do the same against Tecumseh. Uh, I got the Dreadnoughts taking care of business by a 48 to 13 count. Okay, now I, I think those two are out of the way. Those were uh, those were fairly easy to pick, at least I hope. Um, we'll see. Uh, the next three a little more intriguing. Ypsilanti 0 and 2 at Lincoln 1 and 1. Derek, what are your thoughts? So obviously this one's a, a rivalry game. Um, and just if you look back at the, the scores in recent years, it's, it's usually close. Um, Ipsy has won a couple a couple times by, by a decent margin, but it's usually a close game. Obviously, Lincoln had a, had a rough week uh, with Chelsea this past week, as everybody's going to. Um, Ipsy's had a tough schedule to open. I mean, Bedford and Celine are, are both obviously football powers in, in the SEC and have been for a while. I, I actually am going to go with Ipsy in this game. Um, to knock off Lincoln in a, in a very tight, close game. Very good. Coach Trope. Yeah, um, Derek's really prepared this week, and I'm kind of caught off guard by that. Usually I can throw all these stats out, and he hasn't touched on them. But, um, <laughs> but I agree. Ypsilanti's played Celine and Bedford, one of the toughest schedules in the state at this point. Uh, they battled both teams. You know, I don't know the injury situation. That's all, you know, you worry, has that taken its toll over the first two weeks? I think it's going to be a great game. I also am going to go with Ypsilanti on the road, on the silver turf. I think Danny Brown gets his first win back as an Ipsy coach. I, I think uh, I think big things ahead for uh, the Grizzlies. All right, Coach Kane. I mean, it just sounds like uh, Derek and Josh just want to go three and two this week again. So uh, I thought you're supposed to try and improve week to week. You know, this <laughs> this is Lincoln's game. You know, the facilities, the upgrades. Uh, I heard Amani Bates might come back and play for this one. Uh, I think 24-14, I think Lincoln takes care of business. But I, I do think Ypsilanti is playing better football right now. So that, that's good to see. Okay, I, I'm not really sure, you know, what Lincoln has. I mean, they, obviously they, they drilled the, the poor Adrian team and then they get whipped by a strong Chelsea squad. Big shout-out, though, to a Lincoln receiver, Jalen Thompson, who is the son of a former student of mine at Willow Run, TJ Thompson. He did get the lone TD against the Bulldogs Friday, so I figured I'd throw that in there. Ipsy, you're right, the schedule's been brutal. Something tells me Danny Brown's defense is is pretty good. Even though I know they've given up some points, it's not it's not like they're giving up fifty or sixty like a lot of schools do to those school uh, teams that he played. I think this is going to be a close one, but something tells me Lincoln's going to make one more play than Ypsilanti. So I'm going to go Lincoln twenty, Ypsilanti fourteen. That takes us to our fourth game. 
And this is uh, Celine 2-0 at Monroe 2-0. Derek. So this one with Monroe here, they're obviously off to a good start. They blew out Jackson this past week. Jacob Blosser had 159 yards and three touchdowns for Monroe on the ground. Um, and they, they continued to take the ball. I think they had those five interceptions against Pinkney that we mentioned last week, and they, they uh, got, uh, they're up to 10 takeaways on the year now. So that's pretty impressive. I don't know if they can continue to do that against the Hornets, though. I think at the end of the day, it comes down to Larry Robinson. I mean, he had three, three rushing touchdowns and a passing touchdown this past week. Um, and, and Celine's won 33 straight SEC red games. I'm not picking against them then. So Celine uh, over Monroe in a, in a decent game. All right, Coach Trope. Wow, 10 takeaways in two games. It's like yeah. they're playing the Lions every week, you know, or something <laughs> like that. So, yeah, you know, Celine's played about as an easy schedule as you can get so far to this point. Ypsilanti and Huron, so they have not been tested at all. Monroe um, had a really good win over a good Jackson team and then obviously won a tough uh, first game of the year against Pinckney in overtime. Um, I think this is going to be really close at halftime. And then I think uh, Coach Pelk will have a little talk with the boys at halftime. They'll, they'll adjust to the competition. And I, I see Celine pulling away by three or four touchdowns in the second half. Mm, okay. Coach Kane, how about your alma mater? How are they going to do well, the University of Celine is tough. I mean, I, it's, it's hard to beat that team. So <laughs> they do recruit well. They recruit very well. $1.3 million athletic budget is just insane. You know, that money takes care of business. Uh, they're going to beat Monroe. But a fun fact, uh, my wife, uh, her grandfather used to coach at Monroe. Still not enough to uh, change my mind. Celine, third, it's going to be number 34 in a row. And, you know, Oof. you just. It's just that's in the same number. So, sleep. So, Coach right. Kane, Coach Kane, being an alum, maybe you know this. Is the rumor true that it's school of choice if you're a football player, but not if you're a basketball player? Is that true? Because that's what Fosdick tells me. Uh, well, I, you know, if you look at the Sling basketball roster, I don't think too many of those kids uh, born and raised in that city. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> hey, but did did a Chelsea guy just ask a Celine guy about? Rule of choice for football players. Did I? Did that just happen? Because I am I am I dreaming? But I'm gonna. There's there's never been a Chelsea kid that didn't grow up here. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. On to my pick. Uh, And this is clearly the the game with the highest level of play on our schedule this week. This is going to be a pretty good high school football game. I think Derek mentioned some things that I want to you know talk about. But uh, Monroe's got another kid. It's Tristan Panza who runs the ball pretty well um, uh, for them for the Trojans. Uh, Celine, and that is a lot of uh, a lot of victories in a row in the SEC red. Larry Robinson might be the area's most exciting player, not necessarily the best, but he could be the best. But he's also the most exciting. Celine's got another kid, this Josh Rush. He's returned two kickoffs for touchdowns already this season. I got to believe Monroe's not going to uh, kick the ball to him in the in either of the the kickoff or punt game. Um, I got Celine winning though comfortably, kind of pulling away like Josh said, thirty-five to twenty. And that brings us to the uh, the game uh, the game of the week, I guess. Huron zero and one at Pioneer zero and one. Derek, what do you think about that one? All right, so obviously both these teams uh, took a loss in their first game last week. I think what, when you're when you're looking at this one, Huron has only won once in their last forty nine games. So that that is a oof, that's tough. Um, they do have some basketball guys, it looks like, that are playing. Though they got Tyson Edmondson, Kingsley Perkins, and I know Adam Samaha and everything, and maybe a couple more. 
and they haven't beat Pioneers since 2002 is what at least my research showed. I could be wrong on that. However, Pioneer did have Connor Eastope uh, lead the game last week, and I don't think my guess is he's not going to play with that assumption. I am going to uh, I'm going to take I'm going to take the River Rats uh, on a on a late game game winning field goal by Adam Samaha. Oh, that? that would be that wouldn't that be nice? Wouldn't that be nice? Okay, Coach Tropey. Can you follow I, lo- I, I love the way that you picked them to win that with, with Adam um, kicking a field goal. Maybe even a 50-yarder would make it even better. But to add to your uh, just impressive stats, again, uh, and research, uh, Derek Seidel, um, Huron, team of the decade, 8-82 and 82 in the last 10 years. Uh, quite a run for the River Rats. Um, it, it's a far cry from the Paul Verska years and um, when they were really good. A couple of years ago, there was a rumor that they were going to make Walid Samaha the CEO of the football program. Might have been the smartest idea they've ever had. They did not follow through with that. And uh, needless to say, they've uh, continued to struggle. That being said, no Connor Eastope means I'm going with Pioneer on a safety two to nothing. Coach Kane, how do you feel about your river rat? Listen, uh, Coach Mack, I mean, this is what I see. You know, Dexter had that same losing streak. They got the right coach in there. They turned it around. If you look at a program like Belleville, they had a lot of struggles. They put the right coach in there. Now they're a top five team in the state. That's happening at Huron right now. I I am telling you right now, it was 0-0 at the end of the first uh, 33-19 against a powerhouse in Saline. Um, it was streamed. I, I, no fans, but, you know, you could watch it. They're better. They have speed. Basketball players are starting to play two sports again. Like, there is so much excitement. Obviously, they want to go on 8-82 and if they had a non-conference schedule, kind of like that uh, Chelsea basketball team does. If so, if you, you schedule soft, you're going to get wins. They never went that route. I'm telling you, they're going to absolutely – this is a guarantee, and I've only lost one guarantee in my life. Well, that, that Was that two Was that two weeks ago? Yeah, it might have been two weeks ago. I think uh, I'm going 27 <laughs> to 7 here on. And I, I see here I'll win three, four games this year, and they're making the playoffs. I guarantee they make the playoffs. <laughs> ah. <laughs> hey, don't, don't guarantee, because if they have two more cancellations, uh, they won't make it. So they've still got to play four games. Remember that. So You're going to have Coach Mack on this podcast. I tell you, when he turns well, let me, down. Let me tell Well, let me tell you a story about Coach Antoine Mack. So he's a Willow Run graduate. So he was a former student of mine. I got to know him a little bit when he was at Willow Run. This was a fierce and scary football player. When he put the pads on, and started hitting people, it was it was ridiculous how many people he could move uh, when he was carrying the uh, the football. John Corrigan appreciate that, uh, his former coach at Willow Run. But he, I got um, – He coaches the same way, I'm telling oh, you. Oh, I, I believe it. I, and he probably doesn't even need pads because he, he, he can move people around. He, he, was, he was hilarious back then. But here on you're right. They competed early, and they obviously didn't quit and got some late touchdowns to make it a little more respectable. And that basketball theme at Huron uh, is interesting. You know, they, there's another guy, Derek mentioned a few, um, but there's a guy named Brandon Rawls who might be their best overall player. I think he's a, he's a linebacker, but word has it he could play any position and, 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 may, and might do that at some point uh, this year. I guess he's a Division I uh, prospect for the River Rats. So Pioneer has to be in disarray after losing its quarterback. Um, if, if Easto uh, plays, I'd say, I'd say it's um, – 
I'd say Pioneers got a chance, but I'm not expecting the play, to be honest. Uh, I'm going to go in this game, Huron 21, Pioneer 19. So that uh, that's going to be interesting. we got some differences this week. Good, so maybe i got a chance to, to make up some ground here. We'll see how that goes. But Coach Kane. We, uh, we, man, we appreciate you coming on and picking games with us today. Uh, and there's no doubt we need to get you back on to talk some basketball real soon. Uh, I hope, I hope that can, uh, we can fit you into, a, fit, fit you into our schedule or fit us into your schedule. Yeah, you know, it's pretty open. Uh, teaching at home, I, you know, I, I leave to go to the grocery <laughs> store and that's, that's about it. So, uh, you know, yeah. I'd love to talk about boys' basketball, especially SEC, now that I'm uh, not in the conference and I can pretty much say whatever I want right now. Oh, I, hey, wait a minute, wait a minute. You, you pretty much said whatever you wanted when you were coaching in the conference. That's, no, that's not true. Matt told me to take some things down from time to time. And, uh, <laughs> I, I listen. I listen. Oh, well, when we start doing the league previews, when we get into the SEC, we're definitely going to have you on because I, I know you still know the conference well and you're not going to hold back. So you'd be a perfect. Perfect, uh, perfect guest to have on at that point. So, hey, man, uh, wish you well. Take care and good luck with the Lady Irish this winter. I uh, appreciate it. Thanks. Thanks, right, Coach. Man, See ya. Okay, well, that does it for this episode of Coach Speak. Derek, Josh, another silky smooth performance from you two. And thank you to everyone for listening. We look forward to next time and another opportunity to talk high school basketball in the greater Ann Arbor area. Until then, stay safe, mask up, and peace. Thank you.